0: In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, more about the story of Senator Josh Howley, Republican of Missouri, who came out last week and defended shame for shame, manhood. On today's show, we'll talk more and answer this question. Is masculinity toxic or is it maybe a good thing? I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Welcome to today's rebellion. So last week, I covered this story of Senator Josh Hawley, Republican of Missouri, who um, hit the news last week again. Uh, He caught the attention of the left-wing media and the progressive establishment. And uh, as predictable as the sunrise, they lost their minds. Now, before I tell you what he did, I'll tell you that again. I shared it with you last week, and I'm going to talk about that story again today. I want you to remember that Senator Josh Hawley is the man who had enough courage to stand up after the last presidential election and say, wait a second, we need to have integrity at the ballot box. Every American should feel comfortable and confident that his or her vote counts. And that it's not being watered down or negated by illegal votes of others. And for saying so, and for drawing attention to what seemed to be an odd pattern of events on election night a year ago, November. You know, when several states just stopped counting their ballots. They just shut down and quit counting. And the whole place went dark for several hours when there was evidence of statistical anomalies that just could not be explained, Uh, when there were good questions being asked about mail-in ballots and the integrity or lack thereof of those particular methods of voting. When Senator Hawley led in asking these questions, he was labeled an insurrectionist, and Simon & Schuster canceled his contract for his major book deal. And incidentally, the book was a challenge of big tech and the monopoly they have over the information that you can consume. You know, cancel culture and censorship and this modern day book burning that they do digitally. So what did they do? Big tech burned his book. This You can't make this stuff up. Well, this man had the courage to stand firm. He didn't back down. He didn't go bow the knee to the rage mob and apologize for doing nothing wrong, like so many conservatives do, or even moderates do. You say something that actually makes sense. You challenge the lunacy of the rainbow uh, alphabet soup of identity politics, and you do so for good reason because it makes no sense. You do so because you're sick and tired of women being insulted and blackfaced by this agenda. And then they go ballistic against you, And you apologize. No, you don't apologize for doing what's right. Never bow the knee to the rage mob. Never do that. Because as soon as you bow the knee, they're going to want your head. Your apology is never going to be good enough. As I've said, historically, Cranmer recanted, but he still burned. So don't recant. Don't apologize for doing what's right. They're not going to accept it. It's never going to be good enough. So, I want to talk to you today more about the story of Josh Hawley, and specifically his defense of masculinity. And the question I want to ask you, and the one that we will answer today, is masculinity a good thing or a bad thing? Is manhood positive or negative? Is masculinity toxic? Is it the cause of all that ails us? Or could it possibly be the cure? Now again, We're going to use the story of Josh Hawley as the platform upon which we'll stand as we tackle this question. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I will be right back in a couple minutes. Welcome back to The Rebellion. So, Josh Hawley, Senator from Missouri, actually had the audacity, he committed a grave crime. And that crime was he went to a conference in Florida and he dared to champion manhood and he urged men to start acting like men. Yeah, that's what he did. Um, By the way, basically what Senator Hawley did is exactly what the Apostle Paul did when he challenged the first century church of Corinth in his first epistle, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Verse 13, the apostle Paul says to the men in the church of Corinth, act like men. Yes, he says that. Act like men. Be courageous and act like men. So let's just think about that. Think about the senator's challenge to a conservative conference. Again, he's speaking to people that have asked him to come in and say this stuff. And the left loses its mind because, oh my goodness, he actually agrees with these conservatives that there's something positive about manhood and about masculinity. And that maybe, maybe a lot of the problems that we're facing in our culture right now is because men have stopped acting like men. So, let's consider the senator's words. Now, I shared some of them with you last week, and I'm not going to go over them in as great a depth today because I want to spend more time actually talking about the premise of his argument rather than his exact words, but I am going to repeat a few of them. Again, his address was at the National Conservativism Conference in Orlando, Florida. And... Mr. Hawley went there and he challenged what he called, this is his language, what he called the trend of American men to withdraw into enclaves of idleness as the result of being taught that their manhood is the problem. So he said what's happening with a lot of American men is they're withdrawing from culture. They're not going to work. They're not accepting their responsibility. They're playing video games in their basement hours upon hours of sitting behind a computer screen or in front of a computer screen, as the case may be, playing video games. And unfortunately, something even more nefarious, and that is looking at porn. So he challenged this trend to withdraw into enclaves of idleness because they're being taught that their manhood is the problem. He granted a exclusive and exclusive interview with Breitbart, where he said this. I just think the left does not want to own up to the fact that their broadside against America also involves an attack on American men. Close quote. And then Axios wanted to talk to him about this, and he elaborated. He 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 was asked by an interviewer, a writer for Axios, to define a man. And Holly's response was this. A man is a father. A man is a husband. A man is somebody who takes responsibility. Close quote. Now, has he said anything that's earth-shaking so far? I don't think so. Yes, a man should be a father. A man should be a husband. A man is somebody who takes responsibility and accepts the responsibility that comes with fatherhood and being a husband. In other words, you should act like a man. Stop pretending that you're in perpetual childhood and playing your stupid video games all the time and maybe have some moral discipline and stop viewing porn incessantly. Holly then added this in his response to Axius. This is what he said. When you tell men that to be assertive, to be independent, and to exercise the kind of qualities that have been widely observed as positive attributes in men for a millennia or more. When, when you teach them that masculinity is inherently the problem, he said this, I think it's paralyzing to young men. I mean, it leaves them with a profound crisis of action, a profound crisis of identity. And I think that's one of the reasons why you see them withdrawing. And then he goes on, And I think that's bad. I mean, men not taking responsibility for the children that they father is bad. Men dropping out of the workforce is bad. Men not supporting the women that they say they love is bad. Close quote. Now, does that sound like some sort of evil, nefarious, awful thing for any human being, any leader in America to say? He just said, That when you tell men that to be assertive, to be independent, and to exercise the kind of qualities that have been widely observed to be the positive attributes of manhood in men for a millennia, when you teach them that their masculinity is inherently the problem, it paralyzes young men and leaves them in a profound crisis, a crisis of action, a crisis of identity, One of the reasons why you see them withdrawing is because they've been taught this stuff. And he says that's bad. And then he adds this. Men not taking responsibility for the children they father is bad. Men dropping out of the workforce is bad. Men not supporting the women that they say they love is bad. Well, for saying this, like I said in the intro, as predictable as the sunrise... The smart folks out there on the left responded to Holly's comments by losing their ever-loving minds. They responded to his common sense by going ballistic. Uh, here's just one: The Guardian's Arwa Madawi. Is, she's just one example. She has a uh, show that she that she titles "The Weak in Patriarchy." Trust me, that's not intended to be a positive reference to patriarchy. Her show is titled The Weak in Patriarchy. Now, she conceded in her show that men are in crisis, but then she went on to argue that those who embrace traditional masculinity, here's the evidence of the crisis. So the crisis that men are in are this. Those who embrace traditional masculinity are, quote, worse off than the men who don't. Her reasoning for that is this. Apparently males who conform to historical gender roles are much less interested in psychological services, counseling, therapy, than those who do not embrace historical gender roles. So her evidence that men are in crisis is that traditional men don't seek counseling and therapy as often as non-traditional progressive men. Can, can, can you, how can she possibly miss the obvious here? Maybe the reason traditional men don't seek therapy as frequently as those emasculated by her progressive pablum is because they don't need it. You think? <laughs> or maybe their therapy comes from living a healthy life rather than one that's dysfunctional reading things that are wholesome and uplifting rather than watching porn all the time, actually going out and doing something physical, going to work rather than playing video games, or how about this, maybe going to church. Maybe that's the reason that traditional males don't seek therapy all the time like progressive males do. Maybe it's because our therapy comes from going to church, the body of Christ, reading the Bible and trying to live accordingly and therefore we don't need, we don't need your psychobabble? (laughs) It's crazy. They say these things and they don't even seem to, they don't even, it doesn't even cross their radar how ridiculous their position is. And this is from smart folks. Well, the Washington Post's Paul Waldman, he piled on, by calling Holly calling on Holly to support, quote, adequate childcare. Okay? Waltman challenged Holly as a conservative, Holly being the conservative, Waldman being a liberal, a progressive. He said, Well, if you believe in in families, then you should be supporting adequate childcare, quote unquote. So if you really believe in helping young boys grow up to become responsible adults, you should you should support more child care. Well, what does he mean by that? I can only assume that by child care, Waldman probably means the kind of care that's been foisted upon us by an overbearing government as opposed to the care that should be given by a responsible father. You know, the, the kind of care that has been brought to the nation courtesy of L.B. Jay's great society. You know, the kind of care that resulted in more devastation to the black family than anything Bull Connor could have ever dreamed of. That kind of care. That must be the kind of adequate child care that the Washington Post and Paul Waldman think Josh Hawley should be supporting. Now, with that said, I want to share with you what that kind of care has actually done. In 1960, only 10% of children were raised without a father in the home. 10%! 1960. Today, that number is 40% and climbing. And you know what I'm going to say next? It is 70% within the black community. I'm going to repeat those numbers. That should be the end of the show right there. You should get the point just by me citing that one statistic. But I do have more. One more time, in 1960, only 10% of children were raised without a father in the home. Today, the number is 40% and climbing across the board for everybody. For all socioeconomic and racial classes, the cumulative total is 40%. We're going to be hitting one out of two kids being raised in fatherless homes before we know it. In the black community, right now, as we speak, the number is 70%. Almost three-quarters of black children are raised without a father in the home. Here's another sobering statistic. Half of last year's births among millennials were to unwed mothers. And just shy of 50%, almost the same number, of the same group, millennials, now reports that they don't believe a child needs a father and a mother to grow up happy, that you don't need the nuclear family any longer to raise children. Those numbers are sobering people. 10% of children were raised in fatherless homes in 1960. The number is 40% today and climbing, and 70% within the black community. And half of millennials who give birth... Half of the millennial women who give birth are not married, and they don't have any problem with that because the same number views the issue of the nuclear family as being irrelevant, that a child doesn't need a father and a mother to grow up happy. Now, they say this in spite of the mountain of data, the mountain of data to the contrary. And by the way, this data is otherwise known as empirical evidence, you know, for those who pretend to be so interested in following the science, those people who believe in science, who criticize you and me, the conservatives, the rubes, the deplorables, the domestic terrorists, these stupid people that believe in God, believe in the Bible, and believe in human liberty and believe in the Constitution. You rubes need to start following the science. Well, okay, let's follow the science because empirical data is what science is based on, people. So, And there's a mountain of data that proves that fatherless homes is not a good thing. All right, so let's follow the science. Here's just a sampling of what the research says about a masculine presence, otherwise known as a father, in a child's life. Here's one little data point. Children in father-absent homes are more likely to be poor. Says who? The United States Census Bureau. 44% of children in mother-only families live in poverty, compared to only 12% of the boys and girls living in a household headed by a married couple. So we're following the science, aren't we? 44% of children in mother-only families live in poverty, compared to only 12% of those who live in a nuclear family with a father in the home. Children with responsible fathers do better in school, says who? The United States Department of Education. They say that students whose dads are highly involved are 43% more likely to receive top grades in class. Okay, you want more? Children without fathers are more likely to go to jail, says who? the United States Department of Justice. One of the most predictive variables in incarceration is fatherless homes. Did you know that? One of the most predictive variables in incarceration is the fact that the boy, the young man, who's being put in jail and sent to prison, grew up in a fatherless home. Inmates repeatedly say that they were raised in a mother-only household before being locked up. The list goes on and on. I mean, the data is out there. And it's in our own United States government information. So you can't claim that I'm cherry-picking my data points from a conservative source. I'm quoting to you from the Department of Justice, the Department of Education, the United States Census Bureau. The list goes on and on. Children without fathers are more likely to abuse drugs. Children without fathers are more likely to be obese. Children without fathers are more likely to be promiscuous. Children without fathers are more likely to sire more children without fathers. And the cycle goes on and on and on. But yet... The left, The Washington Post, The Guardian, MSNBC, Rachel Maddow, The View, the list goes on and on and on of labeling men like Josh Hawley the problem rather than the solution. That if you believe in strength, in courage, in chivalry, in traditional values, in the father being the leader of the home and teaching his young boy how to like the apostle paul said in 1st corinthians 16:13 grow up and act like a man if you believe that you're labeled as some knuckle dragging caveman who's the problem rather than the solution but here's my conclusion the conclusion for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear is about as obvious as the nose on your face. Not to mix my metaphors. It's really quite simple. Masculinity just might be the cure for all that ails us rather than the cause. Thank the Lord for men like Senator Josh Hawley who are willing to say so. I'm going to close by sharing a couple words with regard to my own father. Now, my dad was a truck driver. He wasn't home a lot. He left on Sunday, and he returned Friday night. He drove truck all week long. Basically, his territory was anything east of the Mississippi. Now, my dad was a quiet man. I don't remember him ever talking nearly as much as I've talked on this one radio show. But I'll tell you this. My dad taught me to be honest. He, he taught me that God delights in men who are truthful. Proverbs 12 22. My dad taught me to be quiet, and that when words are many, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise. Proverbs ten nineteen. My dad taught me to be pure. I never heard him talk in a trashy or profane manner. Not once. He didn't even use bathroom humor. He talked about things that were true and noble and right and whatever is pure and lovely and admirable and to think about those things. Philippians 4.8 My dad taught me not to complain. He, he, I don't remember him griping or grousing about someone else all the time. Uh, he never did so if somebody asked him for help. He was always there without complaining or without arguing. Philippians 2.14 He had a gracious and humble heart. Here's one thing he taught me. I remember the first job I ever got, the first real job. Oh, I mowed lawns and I did my chores around the farm. But the first real job I got after I graduated from high school was at a tool and die shop called Hillsdale Tool Manufacturing. I was a janitor. And I remember what he told me. He pulled me aside in his very brief way, very brief and concise way. And then he was done. He was quiet. There was nothing left to talk about. He said, I've got some advice for you. Never stand around as if there's nothing to do. If you're finished doing what you've been told, find a broom and start sweeping. And that's all he said. I I want you to listen to that. There's a lot of wisdom in that. Don't stand around as if there's nothing to do. When you're finished doing what you've been told to do by your boss, find a broom and start sweeping. And in every job I ever had since that, even up to the college presidency, I always look for the opportunity to start sweeping rather than waiting to be told what to do. There's a poem by an unknown author that I want to end with. As we double down, as we zero in on the wisdom of Josh Howley's words and my dad's words, the importance of masculinity and fatherhood. Here's the poem. An old man going a lone highway came to an evening cold and gray, to a chasm vast and deep and wide, through which was flowing a sullen tide. The old man crossed in the twilight dim. The sullen stream had no fears for him, but he turned when safe on the other side and built a bridge to span the tide. Old man said a fellow pilgrim near, "'You are wasting strength with building here.' Your journey will end with the ending day. You never again must pass this way. You have crossed the chasm deep and wide. Why build you the bridge at the even tide? The builder lifted his old gray head. Good friend, in the path I have come, he said, there followeth after me today a youth whose feet must pass this way. This chasm... That has been naught to me. To that fair-haired youth may a pitfall be. He too must cross in the twilight dim. Good friend, I am building the bridge for him. Folks, that is the importance of fatherhood. Dads build bridges for their sons. Bridges that allow them to cross the rivers of life productively in a healthy, meaningful, and moral way. Dad's lead. Dad's sacrifice. Fathers know that there followeth after me today a youth whose feet must pass this way, this chasm that has been naught to me, to that fair-haired youth may a pitfall be. He too must cross in the twilight dim, good friend, I'm building the bridge for him. That is not toxic masculinity. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.